Bernice Fitzgibbon said that a good ad should be like a good sermon. It must not only comfort the afflicted, it must also afflict the comfortable. Whilst David Ogilvy said that a good advertisement is one which sells a product without drawing attention to itself. On the final Industry Insight episode of this series of the History of Advertising podcast, we are looking at what it takes to make a great ad. We'll hear from some of the contributors who have featured throughout the series, reveal which ad they consider to be the best of all time, and we'll take a look at what the people creating ads today can learn from the history of the industry. Sir Frank Lowe is the ad man who has been associated with some of the best of British advertising, including Fiat's definitive Made by Robots campaign. He believes that the essential part of any campaign lies in bringing the right team of people together in the first place. Oh, a great ad. And what makes a great ad is it's first, first and foremost, it should be entertaining. Television particularly. The mod, they're entertainment media. Um, they really are. And I don't think, I think you have to recognise you are in a medium where people wish to be entertained, amused. And if you don't get that, you've got a problem. Uh, they have to be simple. They have to have one or very few points they wish to make. They need to make them in a charming way. They need to cast them beautifully, get the music beautiful. Every aspect must be perfect. You need a great client, you need wonderful writers, all those wonderful people to make a great ad. And if you put them mixed together, out pops a delicious kick. Described as Adland's greatest philosopher, Jeremy Bullmore believes that a good ad delivers stimuli instead of propositions. So, instead of shouting loudly and repeatedly about how good a brand or product is, he believes it's far more effective for an ad to deliver stimuli for target audience to form their own conclusion that a product is good. We asked him to unpack this idea further. Here, he explains why stimuli-based ads will always be more effective than those centred around propositions, by showing how you would go about trying to convince someone that you are a modest person. Something is wrong with the model of proposition advertising. So, for example, you say to me, um, why are you limping? And I say, oh, nothing, nothing, really. I mean, uh, coming in, uh, there was a child just off a police beacon crossing, and I, I saw that truck. Tra- tra- anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I, I managed to get him get him out and I just hit my, anyway, forget about it. People might then go away saying, that's a very modest man. But that would be, what I delivered was a stimulus that provoked the response that I wanted. And that, that is how we said that advertising should see itself as stimuli, not propositions. Because the worst of kind of American hard sell advertising was saying the thing over and over again then supering it up and then singing it and it worked on on the basis of what was called day after recall you 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 do research and people remembered it because they'd heard it 93 times but it didn't mean to say they believed it or liked it Frank agrees that high levels of recall are meaningless unless there is strong creative behind it the repetition is no guarantee of noticing them. Just, you know, it's like if you meet somebody in a pub, they're really boring. You won't remember him however many times you meet him or her. And we could only have enough money to show the Fiat commercial seven times. And yet 80% of the people in the country on recall could recall it after four weeks. 
I mean, you don't have to keep boring on and on and on. Uh, but I'm afraid media people like doing that. Like X is on the chart. It'll be seen thrown 48 times by dirty, 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 dirty. Atland legend Dave Trott is the mind behind some of the most memorable campaigns from the golden age of British advertising, including Pepsi's lip-smacking, thirst-quenching ads. He believes that the key to successful advertising lies in impact. Bill Birnbeck said, if no one notices your advertising, everything else is academic. So if you must have just one thing, then it's being noticed. Now, of course, there's not much good being noticed if you're noticed for the wrong things. You've got to communicate. It's no good when people love your ad and say, I love that ad with the puppy and don't remember what it was for, but I love the ad, the way most advertising is nowadays. So you've got to have them notice it, which is critical, know what you're saying and know why they should be interested or care. That's why when people work for me, I always tell them, you now no longer say, I like it because, or I don't like it because. That's not in our language anymore. Now you say, it works because, or it doesn't work because. Yeah? So we now talk as professionals. Not, I like it, because I am maybe not the target market, and even if I'm only one person, so that's irrelevant. Like it, like is neither here nor there, because that's like likes on a Facebook page. It's not these two action. It's like, oh, it's a puppy. Yeah? And there's no because at the end of it. But it works. We're not talking about me. We're talking about the communication we're looking at. It works, works, because why does it work or why doesn't it work? That's a useful conversation amongst professionals. So those are some of the elements of what it takes to make a great campaign. But how does this work in practice? We asked our contributors to name their favourite ad of all time, and their verdict was almost unanimous. In the opinion of Judy Lennon, Dave Trott, Sir Alan Parker, Hugh Hudson and Sir Frank Lowe, the best ad to have ever been written is Volkswagen's The Snowplough, broadcast in 1964. The ad was written by Bill Birnbach. It won the Cannes Gold Lion and regularly features in all the best ads of all time lists. The concept is devastatingly simple. It demonstrates the reliability of the brand by showing a snowplower leave his house and drive through the snow to his machine using a Volkswagen. The black and white ad is shot in a filmic style, with the final shot being of the Volkswagen outside the snowplower shed, looking rather adorable in the snow. Have you ever wondered how the man who drives a snowplow drives to the snowplow? This one drives a Volkswagen. So you can stop wondering. Looking ahead, we wanted to know what the creatives of today can learn from the history of the industry. For instance, Dave believes that today's creatives lack bravery. People don't want to get in trouble anymore. People don't want to rock the boat. People just want to do a nice job and be thought of as nice. Not if you have to have nice words so they don't get in the way and if you have to mention the product. But what we'd like to do is make a nice piece of film that says something nice about some nice people and it doesn't make too many waves and nobody objects to it. The best of it is unobjectionable and that's the best of it. And what's happened nowadays is everybody is so scared stiff about wanting to get into trouble. They all want to be nice people and they don't want to get into trouble. And that's bland and consequently that's where the advertising is. It's all very nice and it doesn't want to get into trouble and like the people that do it, it's bland and dull.
Rory Sutherland, behavioural science expert and vice chairman of Ogilvy UK, believes that there is a more tangible explanation for the dearth of great ads around today. He believes that the separation of media and creative agencies was a monumentally idiotic move. There's one big change, it's a heap of festering fucking shit, and it was the separation of media agencies from creative agencies, which was dumb then and it's even dumber now. I don't understand. The whole point of an agency is that someone comes to you with a problem and you solve it. If you're only given part of the toolkit, you're not offering them a restaurant meal, you're offering them a Mongolian barbecue. And so the entire experience of a client, which used to be go to an agency, they come back and give me a potential solution, which works in media and creative terms. Uh, they charge me some money, I run it, has been reduced to kind of effectively cutting a Sudoku into, two, into nine squares and handing different parts of the problem to different people. It makes no sense at all. It was entirely done for some weird fucking financial shit reasons, which I don't understand. And no one who'd ever had to produce an ad would have done it at all. Doing it just before the interdependency of media and creative became even more pronounced in the digital age than it was on conventional television made even less sense. Frank, meanwhile, believes that today's ads are focused too much on conveying information and not enough on dressing the information up in an appealing way. There is information, but no persuasion. And without persuasion, information will not be taken in. Frank also believes that there is too much focus on globalisation and on making one-size-fits-all ads that are expected to work across numerous territories. Global people will say, you want an ad that everybody can understand. I say we do do the best ad possible for the people who live in our country. Otherwise, you're reducing it to the lowest common denominator, and that's really not a good idea. And certainly the campaigns that have been successful in this country have not been global campaigns. They have been ads that appeal to the English, their quirky sense of humour, their understanding of the working class, and all that kind of things. Hugh Hudson. Director of Chariots of Fire and of famous ads including British Airways' The Face and Benson and Hedges' Surreal Swimming Pool campaign, believes that whilst the mediums of advertising have changed, the essential rules of creating a captivating ad remain the same. The digital age is no different to the non-digital age in the sense of visuals are visuals. Again, you've got, to, you've got to get the attention. You've got to say, oh my God, that's wonderful, that's amazing, that's horrible, that's horrifying. You've got to use superlatives to get the, the person to keep his two eyes fixed on the screen. It's not easy. So, what makes a great ad? The answer is, nobody truly knows. But it might have something to do with bringing the right team together in the first place, captivating an audience with creative bravery and stimulus-based communications, and then making sure people see it by marrying creative and media agencies from the beginning. And... If you're in doubt, just go and watch the snowplough ad again for inspiration. This Industry Inside episode of the History of Advertising podcast was presented by Jack Meggett Phillips and featured contributions from Sir Frank Lowe, Jeremy Bullmore, Dave Trott, Rory Sutherland and Hugh Hudson. The programme was produced by Jane Jarvis and Jack Meggett Phillips. To find out more about the adverts featured on this programme, please go to hatads.org.uk.